I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Under the Radar with me, Sean. You're a special guest, Mark Watson. I've been trying to get you for such a long time. You're always busy. Yeah, I, I, keep, um, I keep doing stuff. Yeah, is, is why? The problem. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just one of these people. I, I've got a sort of tendency to just take on a bit more than I can do and then I'm then my life is unmanageable. But you always have a, a massive project on the go. What's what's the one at the moment then? Um, well, I've just I did one of these marathon shows a couple of months ago. Um, I'm writing a novel. I'm writing a couple of plays. Actually, no one massive. Sorry, project a couple moment. of plays. Huh? Two, yeah. So actually, it's not it's not like there's no one big project. It's more like my life is just an, it's just a slightly overambitious project at the moment. But yeah. have you got funding for these plays? For one of them, yeah, and the other one I'm just writing for the hell of it. So it is a com- one of them is a commission. I mean, at least these days I do I mostly do stuff that's worth doing, but I do too much of it, definitely. But so who's the commission by then? Uh, the Old Vic. Oh, brilliant. But it doesn't mean it'll be on. It just means I'm commissioned to write it, and then if it's good, it'll be on. But the thing is, I don't really know how to write a play. That's my, um, that's the one problem I've got. Well, it's just... Put down the words and that, that's what I'm doing so far. Direction yeah. and yeah, that's fine. Hope for the best. Yeah. Do you know what's about that? <laughs> yeah, I've got an idea, but I'm I'm sort of messing around with at the moment. But um, I've got six months, which sounded like a long time when I started it. But that's about two months yeah, ago, not, so the clock is ticking long. a little bit. And yeah, have, are you able to workshop it at all? Yeah, I probably could. I think if I would, they would probably give me um, a chance to work with actors and stuff. But it's still a bit early for that, and I don't want to. I don't no, want to do, do it now. They they make up all the words. Really, you get all the credit. Is that how you go about yeah. it? So get them to just give them quite a loose just say, structure yeah. and make them write it. You're in a room. One yeah. of you is hungry. Then I write it up. Off you then, go. Yeah. Well, I'll press tape. Someone's hungry. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. God, you've nailed. I suppose you've, you've been around. You know what you're doing. I've yeah. done plays. Get but, other people to write it. No, I kind of. Uh, I, I, this is, this is the thing. Like myself and uh, Owen O'Neill wrote uh, two plays for Edinburgh, which both won Fringe Ferris. Yeah, I, and you put all the effort in, and then it just disappears. Yeah, that's one thing about it, isn't it? Mm. It's not. It just. Did they ever go anywhere else? Though no. So that you was just, just go, Edinburgh. Yeah, you go. It won an award, but nobody wants it. Why is that? I suppose just because plays don't make any money unless they're massive. Yeah, unless they. Unless they make money, then they make a lot they, of money. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it should, musicals are the way to make money, I think. Yeah, I there's the a bit of that going on. But you don't want to spend your Have life you, doing Are you going to put a song in? No, I don't think so. No. Put a song I, in. All right, well, fine. <laughs> fine. So get the actors to write it. One of them's hungry, and it's got a song in. Yeah. Okay, this sounds all right, actually. And that's a yeah. good title as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Long, but good. So, so how did you start off then? Because uh, it strikes me that you weren't, like... Stand-up wasn't the thing that you were kind of going, oh, I'm definitely going to be a stand-up. No, it wasn't really my thing. I, I was a writer. Like, I wanted to be a writer when I came out of university. And um, I got into stand-up by... I mean, you've, you know, you, you've seen the sort of the scene develop. When I was... I started up in, like, 2002. There wasn't really... There wasn't the culture there is now where dozens of people are coming through and there's a stand-up on TV every night and stuff like that. So I didn't really know anything about stand-up. Um, I'd only ever seen them. So where, where were you brought up then? In Bristol. Right. And like, there were a couple of comedy clubs, but there was nothing like it was. Now, I used to go to music gigs and stuff um, 
the way people... I mean, people still do go to music, but they also go to comedy. But there wasn't that thing of going to... There wasn't a circuit of gigs. that. Well, it, but there was already, I suppose, but I didn't know anything about it. So I never grew up thinking... I did sort of comedy... I did, like, plays and stuff at school, but um, if you describe stand-up comedy to me as a career and then when I was 17, I would have thought, it's very unlikely I can get away with doing that, I think. But it's a weird one with you, because, like, you're on the kind of cusp of uh, being totally mainstream and totally alternative. Like, you, you do tend to come up on those, like, doing your five minutes at the uh, O2 and stuff, which I feel... I, I feel you're kind of uncomfort when you do them. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been that well suited to that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's hard to not. I, I think that it's true. I came through with a lot of comics like um, Russell Howard, Manford, Rod. But who? Well, actually, Rod's maybe not a good example. But certainly, a lot of them were. Um, they were primarily just going to be stand-ups and, and do it as mainstream as possible. And by that, I don't mean that as a criticism. I just mean. Um, they were well designed to hit the biggest possible audience, and I think I thought that I was that for um, quite a few years. But really, I was never very good at panel shows. I was never that good at the sort of five-minute set. I can do it, but I was never. Um, so I spent quite a long time trying to be one of those guys, and I was managed in that way as well, like a sort of like one of the sort of big new guys that came through. And in that period, I was um, I spent a lot of time trying to chase those massive gigs that other people ended up doing, and I think. That either happens or it doesn't, really. Like, it's so probably... you're saying no to it now, then, yeah? Yeah, but then if there was no two one like tomorrow, like like the um, Channel Four gala they do, I'd probably still do it. I still do do those sort of gigs, but I don't attach too much importance to. Um, I think the main difference between me now and five years ago is I used to be like, he's doing that. Why is he doing that? How is he in such a big venue? Or I don't. I'm you not stuck me someone who was like that. Well, I wouldn't. It wasn't... I don't know. I like to think it wasn't out of um, jealousy or um, aggression, but just I was always paranoid that I should be doing more. I, I still am paranoid that I should be achieving more, actually. I think it's just a character thing. But I used to specifically feel like I was in a race against um, other people. And if we'd all started out at roughly the same time, I would look at them. And, of course, then you get people like McIntyre or um, also older people, like Mickey Flanagan, who... Or John Bishop, who you like, you when someone does genuinely hit that sort of level of stardom, there's it's nothing, and you, you could never have done that anyway. Like, it's kind of a, a fluke, not that they don't deserve it, but you, no one can really say how that happened. Yeah, so, I think I wasted a lot of time thinking, unless I hit that sort of level, but you know, I think it's uh, as I say, like, I know it sounds kind of prudish as well, but I don't want to play the O2. And no, you strike me as someone who doesn't I, either. I don't anymore, but I think there was a period where I just thought the bigger, the better, because that was the that really was the mentality of the industry as well. Maybe it still is, but certainly when I was like I'm mean, 35 now, when I was 27 or 28, um, that was what I thought I wanted. It was also what my agents thought was the way to go. Everyone was being pushed into bigger and bigger. Venues. Now, um, I want to be pretty much doing what I'm doing, playing medium-sized theatres getting decent audiences. I could certainly... I'd like to go one level higher, probably, than where I am. I don't have any ambition now to play arena. I've never seen a gig that looked like it was fun, in, mm. in a, either fun for the comedian or the I performer. I know. Uh, Mickey loves it. Some people are well-suited to it, yeah. yeah. Um, and if you've got, like, Bill Bailey or if you've got musical element as well, that's a bit different, I think. Yeah. But I think one guy just yelling into a mic in front of 
thousands and thousands of people is a weird... Yeah, but they're just looking at them on the monitor. They're watching the screen, yeah, yeah, so you might as well get a DVD, I think. Um, I guess, I mean, Mickey's got a big presence on stage, but I still, I just don't think as a performer you'd you'd get much back from the audience in that environment, but you would get about a quarter of a million quid, I suppose. Yeah, but... That's the incentive. You're not into the money, surely. No, well, I like... I like um, like money. I like money. (laughs) But no, if I did a handful of gigs like that, I'd feel... It would it would screw me up mentally. I think I'd come away feeling like most people didn't enjoy it, or like thousands of people were going away going that was all right. And I don't know, I could live with that. No, Being I want to be able to make money without um, feeling like I'm doing something. It's important to me now to have 300 people there, and each one of them walks away saying that was great. But you can't guarantee it. Yeah, You've got more chance absolutely. with 300 that you could still have yeah. a shit gig with 300 people. Well, not shit, but, but there'll always be someone who's just you know. Mm. Isn't into it for some reason. There always will be, and you can all, and in a smaller venue you can see them as well. I mean, imagine with ten thousand people, you know that hundreds of them aren't really into it. They're just sort of there. Well, but I don't think you see it like that. I think it's, it, that that's event kind of uh, comedy where they're just there. Regardless of what you're like, they're just going to go. Yeah, we were there. Yeah, they're there for a night out. Yeah. Normally, when people describe having been to a gig like that, they're like, "Yeah, it was good." Like they almost don't think about whether it was. Good. Yeah. They just it's a, it's a thing you go to, like you go to a film or something, and you yeah. think, "Yeah, that was good," and which is a perfectly valid form of entertainment. But yeah, it'd be pretty weird for most stand-ups to do that. So, are you going up to Edinburgh this year then? I'm just doing a work in progress here. I did the full month last year. Right. So now I'm working on a new show, and I'm going to do that in the stand just for 10 days. And I think basically every oh, other year... You're getting lazy, is, is, Sorry? You're getting lazy. I know, yeah. It's even 10 days is uh, pushing it. Ideally, I'll just do one one show, to, and everyone in Edinburgh can come, like Gervais did that time, just to Edinburgh Castle, Yeah. get it done. Yeah, I think the full month of Edinburgh is a bit much... Every year is a bit much. Oh, I've God, done that seven or eight yeah. times, and it's... By the end of it, you but you, you, you tend to do about three or four different shows. I don't. Yeah, know. I always feel like if you're going to go at all, you might as well really go for it. Which is, it makes sense in May or whenever you sign yeah. up for it. Not even May is it? It's six months before you sign up for it, and you think. And then in the run up to it, I always accept loads of, um, you know, other gigs and stuff like that. In the middle of August, you're you're barely human. You just. It, it but you bring your family you. up as well, though. Yeah. Normally, happen for some of it. Like we did half of it as a family last year, and, and half of it on my own because. It's too long to be away from the family, but it's also too long to live as a family because, you know, the festival does weird things to you. But at least the kids have got loads of shows to go to. Yeah, there's quite plenty to do with kids and things, but we had a a newborn um, last year, and it's it's a tough place to... Now it's a year born, yeah. Now it's a year, so that's kind of all right. I mean, I don't know if they'll come up this year because it's only going to be like a a ten-day stretch, but... um, Stretch? It's not a prison sentence, Mark. Hmm. I should say the privilege of a 10-day run, yeah. I don't know, I love Edinburgh, that's the funny thing. Everyone sort of loves it, but when you're there, you spend a lot of time complaining. It's, it's a, it's well, a as you get thing. older, it's harder. Well, yeah, I definitely... That's, I remember when it was an adventure, 25 years old, you could drink every night, there were no responsibilities. And then, even if the show's not going well, it is a bit like a, a long party, but you can't afford to live like that no. forever. <laughs> and um, so, what's the show about, then? Because you do tend to think well, you show yeah, do. Although to be fair, I hardly know what it's about yet because the first I've only ever done it once, which was last this weekend um, in Wales. Did it go well? It wasn't bad, yeah. But I've, there's plenty of material. Um, but it's I, I basically I talk about um, a real story that happened to me when I flew to Australia and my passport. Um, they said at the airport it wasn't valid, 
so I could still fly, but they wouldn't guarantee that I'd get there when I got to the other end. So I had 24 hours on the plane not knowing if I was going to be allowed into the country or not. And that made me think about... What, was it out of day? No, it was, it was in date, but there was a problem with the um, photo page. It was just, like, peeling away a little bit. And the guy said, officially, they don't have to accept this because it looks like it could have been tampered with. Right. So I couldn't not fly, but I knew all along that I might not get in either, which put me in a weird sort of frame of mind. So I kind of tell that story at the start and then talk about... Um, or on, at the weekend, I talked about questions of identity and stuff like that and how come you can have a... In fact, what was weird about it was that we all know they've got, like, 30 different electronic records of you and, like, every piece of information about you is well-known to everyone. And yet, very often in life, it's really hard to prove, you know, in the bank or the number mm. of times you have to actually... So that was kind of the theme of it at the weekend. But because it was a work in progress, people were very kind. So you come away thinking, that went well, but it it might be a, a sort of a false... You know, if you get the audience on side by saying I've never really done this before this material yeah, yeah. then they're going to really support you which is great but then afterwards you think I don't know if that would stand up no, again when you started off like you used to put on much more of a Welsh accent yeah I did what, what was all that about um, I, I think just basically it's nice to have something to sort of hide behind when you're starting out and um, I was because I was quite self-conscious about doing it and um, I wasn't really I was never an actor I never I never was but I thought it'd be nice to have some sort of a persona. And the Welsh thing wasn't much of a um, leap for me because I had Welsh family. I'd lived there on and off a bit. So it was very easy personality for me. But to be honest, I, when I put it on, it was only, you know, when you do open mics and stuff, it's like five minutes. So I didn't really think it through. I was just like, well, I'll do this. This will be a good So you did know. you see it as a character then rather than. N- well, not really, because I was doing material that was me. So it was like somewhere between a character and real life in the same way that. Al Murray's not quite maybe Omid or you know you get people that do a sort of exaggerated version of themselves I I suppose it was kind of like that but that accent just made me feel less like it was me doing it so I was sort of liberated a bit on stage Um, and also like you know what it's like with with open mic when you're starting out to have a hook like that is like that is very handy because people remember being Welsh is a hook it was in a five minute format people would because there's like 12 people go by you think, who do you like? Oh, oh, that was that Welsh guy. Right. Um, and I never looked beyond the five minutes because I, I was just doing it for the hell of it, really. And then as it became... I became a bit more successful. Suddenly you're doing 20 minutes in clubs. And then even then it wasn't a problem. I could have kept it going for ages. I did keep it going for a while. Well, people you, just you know, assumed you were Welsh, though, didn't they? There was no reason to think that I wasn't. Because uh. <laughs> it was a weird sort of lie to tell. But eventually it was getting to the stage where I was I'm putting the accent on. I'm this uh, Irish accent off. In yeah, a of you've held on to that for yeah, ages, haven't you? I know. It's been, but to be fair, it's worked for yeah, me. Yeah, it's, so, it's so, been all right. Uh, but uh, there comes a point where you just yeah. take it from me. You, you get Look, I'm sorry, I'm not Irish. <laughs> yeah. But the longer so, you keep it going, the more of an, a reveal it'll be when you yeah. come out of it, to be fair. But so, um, and then you just decided to stop it. Well, it was getting to the stage where it was stuff like this. I'd, I'd do interviews on the radio, and I, I couldn't decide whether to do it in, in character or not, because it wasn't really a character. So I would just talk in my normal voice. And I was even doing some TV shows, um, panel shows, where it felt really weird to be have the accent on. Um, so I was caught in this awkward situation and wasn't sure how much of the accent to do or not. Because if, you know, if you're on, like, Loose Ends or something on Radio 4 or anything a bit... Serious-minded, you think you feel like a bit of a dick doing a doing a fake accent. With so, I started thinking the more well-known I get, um, 
the less sustainable it's going to be to lie about my accent the whole time. Because also, obviously, people have started to notice when they met me in real life that the accent was... So I started thinking, I can't do this forever. I'm going to have to kick it before... And at first, it was very weird doing it without. And then gradually... But you forget, people... I always thought it'd be a massive transition, but people don't really care that much. It's really only in your own head that it's sure, a big yeah. thing, I think. And so... I hope. <laughs> But so when so when you started off, like you just thought you weren't aware of the comedy circuit. Not especially, thought, no. I'll try it. I thought I'll try it. Yeah. But you I, wanted to be a writer first and foremost. I did really, yeah. And partly I did stand up as just a way of getting jokes out there because that's I had no I had no ins with any writing or anything. But I thought if I do stand up, at least I can write stuff and um, perform it that same night. And that was kind of the attractive thing. And when I entered open mics, it was and all these like a lot of competitions and stuff. Um, I just thought, well, which I've got, you won, yeah. I won one of them, the the Daily Telegraph, which doesn't happen anymore. Um, because you won it. Yeah, in fact, that was the last one. So yeah. basically, I'm undefeated. I'm the world and undefeated was, open mic champion. It was the yeah. uh, Welsh edition. Then realised you weren't Welsh, and after that, the, the it was disgraced. Yeah. yeah, the competition lost all of its. Um, yeah, it was. I, I basically um, I had an act that was perfect for those competitions because it's five. I had a good five minutes, and but also there was no pressure on me. Quite a lot of the people have been doing it for two or three years. So they're like, oh, I really need to do well in a competition. Whereas I was a genuine newcomer, I had nothing um, to base it on. So I had this, in a way, it's an advantage not to know much about what you're doing, I think, because you're not pressured by what you're, you're not but, trying to imitate anyone you've but seen. It's hard that you say you've got a good five minutes, because like, you are uh, one of the kind of comics that I w- would say wouldn't have a good five minutes, because you like to kind of. These days expand, I ramble on. Yeah. Like, at these days in five minutes, I can just about introduce myself, and that's it, yeah. But in those days. Um, I mean, five minutes is such a small amount of time. I basically had two good bits, and I would just do them every gig, and um, it always worked. But that did stop me from making progress um, when I started doing it properly as well, because you, you come out of these competitions and every gig is great because you know you've got, this five, you've got two yeah. jokes that really work. Then you're doing 20 and you think, how the hell am I going to... I can still remember what it felt like to think, 20 minutes of material is impossible. How, how does anyone ever do that? How, how long are your shows now, about... Two hours. These days I'll do a couple of hours or an hour and a half, and I've done, yeah, six or seven of those because the longer you go on, the more you think it's not it's not purely about the material. It's the way you engage with the audience. But you're also you know, famous for uh, doing like stuff outside the box. Like you know, you do your twenty four hour show. Yeah, that's cured me of my fear of doing twenty sleeping. minutes as well. Yeah, also my fear of everything. Yeah, yeah, I, I did that the first one of those when I was quite young. 24, and there, again, there wasn't really a plan. I just thought this will be a bonkers thing to do in Edinburgh. Well, let's give it a go and see what happens. And um, but you must have been, was it not just so shattering? Yeah, the first time it was because I didn't do anything sensible. I didn't drink much water during it. I didn't look after myself very well. These days, did you take breaks though? Not re- well. I would take a couple of minutes at a time. I've always tried to do them properly, like an endurance effort, like with a marathon or something. Like you can take a little break, but. Um, if you leave the stage for any length of time, it doesn't really. I feel like it doesn't really count. So I always try and minimise that. I'm just. I've got a lot of stamina, and um, and also I've got kids these days. So, like I'd say, 24 hours on stage is less tiring than just a normal day looking after. I looked after the kids yesterday, and that was harder than doing it. But did you? Um, would you kind of have like little crib notes and stuff to talk about? Or I generally have like a rough plan for each hour, but then most of it just comes from. Um, uh, setting stuff up at the start, sending people out on tasks or setting themes up and then just gradually improvising more and more with the audience. And, of course, people like comedians drop in, guests come in, 
normally unscheduled and you um, sort of work with them. And especially the first one, a lot of it just came from the fact that no one could believe we were going to survive for 24 hours. So the longer it went on, the more the audience... And that still happens, actually. Every time I've done it, a lot of it's relied on the audience being having this sense of, um, like, I can't believe we're all still here. Well, they were coming and going, though, were they? Sorry? The audience, were they coming and going? In the first show, they were... But there was a hardcore of people that stayed for the whole thing, and they became like the. They were as much involved in it as me, really. These days, nearly everyone stays for the whole thing. And that's how you met your wife, yeah? Uh, I, didn't, I proposed to her at the end of that show. I already was, was with her, yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like that's 2004. That's a long time ago now. Um, but yeah, it was the finale of the show, it was the last minute of the show, and um, I'd sort of discussed the idea of proposing them. I was only joking, by the way, and you actually. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true, yeah. Right. I, I proposed at I'm the end good. of that first one. I didn't know it was a joke, yeah. No, I... Because people normally ask about it. I don't do any research. It's on Wikipedia. No, fair enough, yeah. Why would you? <laughs> well, it... most of the stuff you'll find on the internet is not necessarily true anyway, so... Um... I don't even have the internet. Oh, then you're in, a, you're in a perfect position. And so how many books have you written, then? Um, five. Five novels. Five yeah. novels? Yeah, and I'm writing another one now. So that was something I did alongside the series. It's the... No, they're all separate, yeah. Right. Um... Yeah, so about every two years I try and do that as well. Um, bloody, I've, I've written novels, but they're, yeah, they're very yeah. hard work. It is, isn't it? And it, the level of detail, the amount you have to go back over things, is very... Um, and are they selling OK? They sell all right. None of them has ever sold particularly well. Um, I've never made that much money out of it. It's just, it's just the satisfaction. It's Because like, you know what gigging is like? It's over very quickly and you get that buzz and then it's sort of gone. With a novel, it's such a... It's the opposite, really. It's a bit like you were saying with the um, with the plays. Like, you, you put a huge amount in and you finish it and it feels great and then it just sort of disappears. Do you sell weird. the uh, novels at your shows? I, I sell the most recent one at the shows, right. generally, and that's quite nice. It's nice to feel like people walk away with something that... Cause I, I don't think I could ever sell, like, T-shirts or, yeah. like, tacky merchandise. I think I'd be too embarrassed. And also, no one would buy them, I don't think. Whereas I, a book is something a bit I different. I sell poetry book at my show. Of your own. But, yeah. like, weirdly, like, we sell DVDs and uh, the poetry book, but because I read two, two poems during the show, they just outsell the That's DVDs. interesting, yeah. Well, I think, I think people do like to walk away feeling like they're taking home a piece of what they saw, Yeah. I, I tend to mention the novel during the show, but maybe I should start reading a bit of it. Read a passage, I'm telling you. It will help the sales. You're probably right. It would kill a bit of time as well. <laughs> Sometimes when you're looking at a theatre show, you think, have so, I got enough here? Are you going to tour after Edinburgh, then? Probably not till next year, I think, because in Edinburgh the show is still going to be pretty sketchy. And What are you going to do with yourself, then? Um, yeah, I don't know. I might just sort of fake my own death and disappear for a bit. That'd be, well, be writing. I'll be writing. That's a bit severe. Yeah, but you could just, just say I'm going to chill out for a bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm like, going to fake me on death. You know me. I like extreme scenarios. I might. Well, I might. I'll, I'll spend the time writing. Hopefully, writing, finish, working on this book, working on on the show, and also like you have, you have periods that look like time off, but yeah, they never are. Either right. the, either they'll be the kids, and also stuff will come up that I'll get involved in, even if I shouldn't. Probably like. Like going to South America for football and stuff. with Henning. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a situation which. No one should ever get into, but it, it happens. It happens, and you have to Did make the best of it. Did you have fun with that? that it, was, was, uh, it was great. I mean, as you will have heard, was from that me, Dave? Was it? It was Dave. It's the sort of show that, like, out of a hundred times that someone suggests it, maybe once it comes up, and it wasn't even me and Henning that pitched it. That they just had the project, and they, they were looking for comedians that were interested in football. So it was a complete fluke, all the way along. I thought this is never going to actually happen. No one's going to send me and Henning to South America for six weeks. It wasn't until we were on the plane to Uruguay. I thought. 
I accept now this is this is and Henning was the same he was something like, now this is this is a fantasy and you know and then eventually I was really fun as you've probably heard from him it was also um it was grueling stuff like we had no time off we were like, driving around in the heat Henning moaned non-stop yeah, for the uh, whole time and he also had his shirt off almost the whole time in, in the car and stuff so it was That's a very intimate a experience um and um yeah, it was really tough. It's the sort of gig that, in the middle of it, you just... It was like, all the time, actually, it was really hard work, exhausting. Um, but because you're in South America, you can't really phone people up at home and go, this is this is awful. This is, and it wasn't awful, but it was tough, yeah. And I had an amazing time, though. I'd never been there before, and it's unlikely that I would have gone there. Or maybe one day, but um, it's one of those things that comes along about once in a decade where... It, Everything just Have you got anything together. else like that coming up? No, I'd be surprised if a gig like that comes up again for a while. Well, you never know. You've nothing on from September onwards. Oh, I'm available. Sort of if someone wants out. to send me to the Arctic, or quite a lot of comedians do do these, like so and so's India, or you know, so and so goes it's to Japan now. It's, cliche now. It's, it is. It's, it's, weirdly, years ago, and I, bearing in mind I have no interest in speedboats whatsoever, the BBC said, Do you want to go over to Miami and uh, film some speedboats? <laughs> I went, Yeah. All right then. Yeah. That's fine. It's funny, isn't it? There's, there's a lot of these shows, and unless there's a very specific reason for it to be that celebrity, you normally think, Why are you telling me about the Ganges? Oh, no. Why is it not just like an expert or something? Life yeah. is shit, is what we're saying, Mark. Yeah, until you get nice. one of these gigs, and then yeah, it's really sweet. Going, yeah, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it is that weird thing of. Like, cause would you consider yourself a celebrity at all now? No, the only the only definition by which I am one is that I've done things like celebrity mastermind or shows with celebrity on. Oh but yeah, what was your special subject? Done it twice. Once it was the World Cup um, since nineteen sixty six, and once it was the Canterbury Tales. So two quite different. Um, I won it once. See, I would have preferred mm. if you went from nineteen sixty seven. Uh, when Scotland World England. Cup from 1967. Yes, so it's so just to cut. Well, actually, in a way, it was because it didn't. Inc- I don't think it included 66. So it's everything beyond 66. So you good with your stats then? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of it I can remember now, but I was always quite a. Who scored? No, I don't know. There you go. Yeah. I tell you what, Humphreys is, is terrifying though, and is I um, Or he's not. He's very kind, but the the well, atmosphere. Even yourself. even you. It's more that the experience is terrifying. Right. Even you doing that music there made me shift a bit in my seat. Uh, like, that was the purpose. Of it worked, yeah. But um, but so yeah, I've done celebrity shows with celebrity in the title. But I'm, I, no, I don't ever think of myself as a because the most that I get if people recognise me is they'll go, "Is are you that um, now? What's, where have I seen you? What's, I don't call that a celebrity. I think you've got to be able to confidently say. Yeah. Occasionally, people say, "Are you famous?" Which the clues yeah, in the question, hard, really. Yeah. If you have to ask, then probably I'm not, no. I had someone in the... Uh, I was coming back from a show at, on the Tube, and this one went, I, I know you, who are you? And I was... You've been on telly, haven't you? I went, show on show. And she went, no. Nope. <laughs> and I had to go buzzcocks. Oh, yeah! Yeah, of course, it. yeah. Yeah, it's a strange life when you're recognisable to the public, but not completely. Oh, I'm so glad. I used to have it really bad, and now just... Yeah, you did so Buzzcocks for a long time. Ten series. Yeah, that's yeah. enough for pretty much everyone in the country to recognise you, but... Yeah, but not, apparently not, not. Not quite well enough to remember yeah. your name. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating, yeah. isn't it? I know, it's kind of that thing. But so, um, are you are you interested in doing TV, or is it something that you just couldn't be bothered with? I don't know, really. I mean, when things come up, like, obviously, like the thing with Henning, if something falls in your lap where you... um. No, but I'm talking about, like, you actually going in with your own project. Yeah, I'm always... Uh, 
having meetings and stuff about it, like everyone is, but I, I think... I mean, I have to do a radio show, which is me doing stand-up with Tim Key and Tom Barston, and I've done a few of those on Radio 4, and there's always talk about putting that on the telly, and um, I probably... If that ever comes to fruition, I would like to do that. What I don't think I will want... Again, compared with a few years ago, there's a time when I would... Any sort of presenting job, I'd just think, all right, well, I'll have a crack at that. These days I'll actually look at things and think, is that a good thing for me to do? There was definitely well, a good... There was a, quite a long period where... If something was TV, I'd just think, I'd better do that. And as a result, I did quite a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have gone anywhere near, really, because... Um, well, you're maturing as a person. Mark. I hope so, yeah. It's very easy to think of TV as being essential and also better than other stuff, and it ends up being a lot of the worst stuff well, you do. No, I mean, uh, you know... It's the way society is, though, isn't it? Yeah, and it's had loads of benefits for me. I probably wouldn't be able to tour the way I do unless I'd been on things like Mock the Week and stuff, but they were... I never enjoyed or felt like I was in my element, really. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing so for me. Is what that, is your element, you know, then? Well, I think live shows I'm, I'm good at. Like like most comics, I feel if I've got my audience there and I'm doing a, 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 like a theatre-length show or something, I'd back myself to do a good show. But trying to sell myself in little tiny chunks on telly yeah. is probably not my element. I love your honesty on um, stage as well. Yes, yeah, you can do that if you've got... The first time like, I saw you, weirdly, was in Australia... Was it? Yeah, in yeah. Adelaide, probably, yeah. was it? I remember and, us being uh, in Adelaide together. You did that material about, oh, we're hitting the 40-minute mark now where all shows just Yeah, it's, it's, I would have a deliberate sort of lull where I would signpost it just to get it out of the way. That's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the sort of thing that you, you can do with a live audience, refer to the situation you're all in and trying to help, you know, work together to make it a good show. On TV, you've just got to press the buttons all the time. And um, I'd be all right on a show... I used to like doing Buzzcocks because at least there's no specific expectations there. Plus you get to sing a song, yeah. But the more structured the show is, the less I'm going to... Whereas some comics are just very good at being like, got my jokes in front of me, they hit every... You know, I yeah. can never be like You're that. You're not really a jokester, though, are you? Not at all, and I'd never have any sort of topical stuff. Or So if I go on these panel shows, everyone else has prepared 25 gags about camera, and I'm just there thinking, well, we've, we've, we've done this, let's move on. I've got no patience with it, I think. So I, I think... TV on, uh, is not for me unless it's something I want to do rather than something I feel like I should do. You should go be on Ian Stone's uh, BT show. I have done that one, his football show. Yeah. I did do that once during the World Cup. And yeah. do you find, because like, I find that he has two guests on, but yeah. the other person will have reams and reams of notes, and I'm going, yeah. I'm busking this. I've never got any notes for anything. Yeah. I can't, I mean, I do, even I do fighting talk, um, I've done like loads, and people come on with, yeah, huge, great, like sheets mm. and sheets of stuff, but I think as a, as a stand up, you. It feels weird to no, um, to have sheets of paper in yeah, front of you. Kind yeah, of rely on your kind of yeah, your brain. you have to. But you, you, well, yeah, yeah, rely on your brain is a good is a good guy. So basically, yeah. ten days in uh, ten days Edinburgh. in Edinburgh, and then the autumn I'll I'll be writing or I'll be doing the show as a work in progress in London. I reckon I'll be working it up, but I don't think I could take it on tour until it was um, pretty polished. Some people do seem to build the but show up by pretty quickly though. Hopefully, I mean. It should be ready after the ten days in Edinburgh. To be honest, it might. You never know, do you? Doing doing a stretch of gigs like that, stretch again, um, can be. Do time. It, it can be enough. Doing your time, it might really take shape quickly. But I think I'll do a better show if I um, give myself time rather than. I just think you're you know, lazy. You might be well, right. I'm, yeah. Seriously, because you are very kind of prolific, and you're just yeah, decided. I just worry about the quality of it if I'm racing to get it done. Because I used to always do Edinburgh every year, so then. Every year I'm, like, rushing to get the show ready for August, and I would sometimes think, if I'd given this a bit more time, this would be better. So these yeah, days see, are trying, you know. Look, this is, again, one of my... We'll finish on this, but, like, 
I'm a little bit older than you, and Edinburgh used to be. That's what used to, Edinburgh used to be that, about. That was the yeah. I think that's definitely changed. We were talking about this once in the street. Yeah. In fact, these days Edinburgh is people see it as like the end product rather than which is a shame You've because got a um, month to kind of get a show together. I know, yeah, or ten days for the lazy ones. Yeah, these days it's it's pretty much been turned on its head. These days you've got to spend the month beforehand getting it together, and then you've got to hit it on the month before like, too from January. Well, actually, it's eight months putting yeah. it together. Yeah, as it's, it's Edinburgh's become like the the end point rather than which is weird isn't it um, yeah. thank you yeah. so much Mark uh, really appreciate you coming in you've been listening to Under the Radar with Sean Hughes with my special guest Mark Watson uh, keep going to see live comedy yeah I agree hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.